What I'm going to attempt to try to do tonight is take our physical bodies, try to give an illustration that keeps you engaged, attentive, and compare it with our spiritual lives. It might bomb. It might be the worst thing you've ever heard. Or it might be really good. We don't know. We'll see what happens. So in January, I started doing my devotion in Matthew. And you get to chapter 5, you get the Beatitudes. And the verses that we're going to talk about just kind of stuck with me. So I was like, well, maybe it was bad pizza. Maybe this is like a message that people need to hear. So I talked to Todd. I was like, Todd, this one's coming up in a few weeks. Can I talk on it? He goes, yes, yeah, send me an email so I know the schedule. I didn't do it because I forgot. I got busy. I have three kids. Thinking, Todd's dad's in the hospital going to Nicaragua. He forgot about it. I'm not going to have to do this message. It's going to be fine. And then a few, he goes, hey, are you still going to speak on it? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. It's been on my heart since January. <laughs> so a little bit about me. I grew up in Douglasville, which is like that way, down 92. Did youth ministry for nine, ten years, went to seminary, and then things ended just out of nowhere. Got called to go to a meeting. Didn't have a job when I left. I was like, that's odd. Waited, waited, waited for another church job. Waited, waited, waited. Nothing. I was cleaning blood off instruments for surgery. I'm like, man, if I'm going to be poor, I was fine with it when I was going to be a youth pastor. I'm not just going to be poor. So I went to nursing school. Finished nursing school, worked in the ER. You see some crazy stuff in the ER. Then I was like, man, I was like, I need to go do something else. I went to ICU and I was bored to tears. Like it was so boring. And then I got the best job I've ever had in my life. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So continuing our study on the Beatitudes, we're in verses 8 and 9. It said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And if there's anything that I want for y'all, it's to see God. Right? I mean, if you could do anything with your life, you know what? If I could see Jesus, that'd be pretty cool. That's what I'd want to do. And follow up, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I remember last week, Todd talked about, blessed are the merciful, for they will sleep. I don't think you can do the merciful and the peacemakers without a pure heart. These words sound better when they come from the message. So thank you, Eugene Peterson. And this is what they say in the message. It said, you are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind, and your heart right. Then you can see God on the outside world. All right? If we want to see God on the outside world, we've got to get it right in here. Said you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. That one doesn't go as good, but it was part of the verses, so I had to go with it. Well, like I said, I have three kids. I think we have a picture of them if you went through. Well, those are my three from Christmas. The girl holding the little baby, that's Maggie. She's eight. She's in second grade. The one that's laughing real big, that's Andrew. He's the one that is really about. And then Lucas in this picture, he was four days old. He's like, why am I getting held like this? Now he's three months old and he eats poops and cries. That's all he does. How many of y'all have siblings? How many of y'all are the younger sibling? Okay. I was the baby, so I know how to play this game. Andrew is not meant to be a middle child. 
he is meant to be the baby because he is super annoying to his sister. Sometimes we can get these sweet pictures. They'll sit there, they'll smile for the camera, mainly because mom's bribing them, things like that. Um, I don't even know what I was doing. I probably wasn't even in the room. Sometimes they'll come down and he's just like, where's mama? Mama's taking a nap. Oh, we're, we're sissy. That's what he calls me. We're sissy. Sissy's at school. And he just wants to be with her and play with her and be around her, right? And that's what two-year-olds want. They think everything is about them. Sometimes he likes to jump off the top rope of the couch and like drop the elbow, pull some hair, and say this word, mine. No, that's mine. Mine, mine. Everything's his. I'm like, no, this is daddy's. No, this is, no, this is mama's. Everything's his, right? So in this same person, we have two different people. We have the one that's so sweet, will give you anything. He wants to bring his toy ice cream. I'm like, here. No, Andrew, I don't want to lick your toy ice cream. I want real food. It's dinner time. And when he doesn't want to eat his vegetables, used to feed it to the dog. He's so sherry. <laughs> but let Sissy be watching the iPad. No, that's mine. And he's pulling hair, grabbing it. And I kind of tell my daughter now, I was like, you're eight, he's two. If he can take it from you, it's his. Might be the world's worst parenting advice. <laughs> but in this, we can see the dynamic. Sometimes I am a great dad. I have this pure heart, and I can peacemake all of it. Sometimes I get really angry, and I start yelling. I blame whoever. And then my wife has to come in and be the referee. Right? I mean... Moms, moms are better at keeping the peace, right? Okay. So we talk about all this stuff, and it's like, what does this have to do with anything that I'm going through? Like I said, the best job in the world that I have, I'm a cardiac cath lab nurse. And y'all are looking like, I have no idea what that means. If you have a heart attack, you go in the ambulance, you go through the ER, and then you eventually make it to my department. And we fix your heart attack. This is what this is. It's a heart. And this is why I'm so passionate about it. I mean, I've been in this department for almost three years. And when you get to a verse that talks about the heart and it sticks out, you want to know, well, God, what else does your word say about the heart? So we got a few verses. I didn't get them all because when I copied and pasted my Google search, it was like 16 pages. Like, I have like 20 minutes. If I read 16 pages worth of verses, they'll throw things at me. So Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart. Well, if God has to create a clean heart, that means we might have had a dirty heart, right? Do the background, that's David. He's writing a psalm after, after he confessed his sin. We well, want a clean heart. And go on and read, and it tells all the other stuff about, it's restored to me the door of my salvation. Do this, do this, and then I will do this. So clean hearts are good, right? The Bible says, create me a clean heart. The next one is Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart, and I'll remove the heart of stone. So, if you have a heart of stone, and kind of think like, man, what was I like before I accepted Christ? What would my life been like? Probably pretty hard. It's probably like stone. I get accused all the time that I have like dark sludge pumping through. I never cry. I don't get emotional. And it's like, man... Is that really what other people see of me? But then it's like, I'm going to give you a new heart. So when you read scripture, you have to look at it 
in this context. Then we got, I used to have a stone of heart. I started to follow Jesus. Now I have a new heart. So like, okay. I'm starting to pick up on a theme. We had dirty hearts. We had hearts of stones. We're getting a new one. I was like, I like where this is going. This will, this will teach well. Then you get to Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And I started thinking about my job. It's like, man, it comes to springs of life. So what does the heart do? How does it bring that through? And I'm like, man, I was like, this is getting a little harder to want to communicate on. And then you get a verse like this in Jeremiah. It says, the heart is deceitful. Wait, whoa, deceitful? above all things, and it's desperately sick. Like, God's just doesn't say, oh, your heart's wicked and it's sick. He says, it's desperately sick. He says, who can understand it? And you start thinking, I was like, man, I had a heart of stone. Now I have a wicked and deceitful heart, and it's desperately sick. But I can get a new heart. I can get a clean heart. And then you get Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's like, man. So I have this wicked heart, and I have this dirty heart, I have this heart of stone, but I'm supposed to trust the Lord with all of it. Why would God want us to do that? And we get our verse, it says, for you shall see God. So have a pure heart so you can see God. Todd, can I ask for a volunteer? Is that okay? Do I have free reign? I need a model that anybody will do. Caleb, I figured you would do it. You're the only name that I know that's not my small group. Colby, I'm so sorry. Sorry. You said you were going to sit on the front row. You didn't. It's your fault. All right. Come on, Caleb. I'm going to give you my heart. Okay? Don't break it. Hi, cardiologist. Hold it right here. Okay. Oh, no. Over here. There you go. All right. So this is Caleb's heart. I don't want y'all to feel left out. Y'all can do this too. Take your hand over your hand and just squeeze it. This is what your heart does. It just pumps. You know how many times it pumps a minute? No. 60 to 100 if everything's right. When I was backstage, it's probably at 140 because I thought a Cheeto was about to attack me. Okay? So it just pumps. Your body has one job. It's to keep you alive. So the heart says, okay, my job's to pump. Something has to tell it to pump, right? So up here, it's missing, but it's right here. It's the pacemaker of the heart. And that's what says, hey, do you want to squeeze? You want to squeeze? Okay, let's squeeze. And it sends a signal down and it squeezes. And it says, hey, do you want to do it again? Well, if we want to stay alive, we probably need to do this again. So it squeezes. And blood comes from up here. It travels down. Have any of y'all had an anatomy class? Okay, we have, we have a few. Don't fact check me if I say the wrong words, okay? I'm trying to keep it simple. So we go from the right atrium to the right ventricle up to the lungs. All right, it's probably good. A few weeks ago, probably about a month and a half ago, Todd spoke, and I told him, I don't know what else to call it. He spoke in big church, like on Sunday morning with all the adults. And he gave this example that when God breathed in, it goes into our lungs, right? So God breathes in, our blood comes in, it goes through our lungs. So breathe now, breathe. You know how many times you do that in a minute? 12 to 20. So your heart's pumping, 60 to 100, 
Breathe in. And every time the heart pumps in, it sends blood into the lungs. Then it comes back in to our left side of the heart. And then it squeezes. And it shoots up through the aorta. I can tell some really bad heart Valentine's jokes, but I won't. It comes up through the aorta, and there it goes to the rest of your body. If your heart quits doing this, the blood pools. Do we have any plumbers? I mean, all of y'all are in high school. Surely one of you is a plumber, right? No? If we're not squeezing, the blood doesn't go forward. It backs up into our, our lungs. Backs up in the lungs, it backs up here, back. Like, you see, it's just a big circle. Heart has to keep squeezing, has to keep going through the lungs, has to go the rest of the body, has to come back to the heart. Just do this on repeat. You have about five liters of blood in your body. Your heart pumps about three and a half liters an hour. That's a lot of work, right? It never stops. It just keeps going. Thanks, Caleb. You're a good model. There you go. When we think about how our heart squeezes and we use our physical knowing and understanding of it, and we look and try to make the leap to how our spiritual works, I guess it helps if we see the part of the heart that's not here. So we have hopefully a YouTube video. If not, I at least have pictures. These are your heart vessels. The one on this side, so you're right. That's the one that comes around the right side. That's the one that feeds that little thing that says, hey, are we going to pump? You ready? We're going to do it again. Hey, we're going to do it again. You lose blood supply to that, and the heart goes somewhere else. It feeds a different one. It's going to be slower. You start getting some rhythms that like, man, if we keep going life at this way, we're going to die. So feeding that is pretty good. The one in the middle is the one that goes down the front of the heart. That's the one that everybody sees and like, oh, yeah, this is the most important vessel. All of them are important. The little bitty, it's about five millimeters right at the front. That's your left main. That's the one they call the widow maker. That, like, it feeds more than half your heart. And then the one on the other side is the one that comes around the back left side of your heart. That's the one that nobody really sees, but it feeds a lot that gives you the squeeze. You want to see what a heart attack looks like? Sure. Okay, so next slide. The one on the right, you see where there should be blood coming through? And it's not there. If you've heard the stories, the analogies, and all that, when you have a heart attack, you have this crushing pain. It's because your heart's not getting fed. The first thing that happens when your heart squeezes and it shoots up and it relaxes, it comes back down, it feeds its heart first. Like I said, your body's one job is to keep you alive and the heart says, I'm going to get fed first. No matter what, I'm going to get fed first. In our spiritual lives, there are a few things that weaken our heart. The first one's sin. Sin looks just like that block where the blood that went through our lungs that got filled up by God comes back through and it's blocking, nothing else can come through. You get bitter. You get, you know, all these crusty words that just sound gross. 
And it can be fixed, right? I mean, we ask Jesus in our heart, he forgives our sin, that vessel gets open. We have clean communication back with God, our heart is getting fed. The next thing is pride. Sometimes, like, we just don't want to do things, right? Like, we get, like, no, God, I really don't want to do that right now. No, God, I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to go across the hall and talk to my, my classmate about you. No, I don't want to live a life that's different than all my friends. I don't want to get made fun of. No, God, when my parents ask me to do this, I really want to talk back to them and disobey. Right? I mean, I've been there. My mom would tell me something. Like, okay, I'll get it. I'll get it done. Two, three, four weeks later, it's still not done, right? The next one is right in the middle. There's a letter in the two, and it's called I. And we get the I want to be seen. I want to do this. God, your ways sound okay, but are they really what's best? And I get all those, not just because I made them up. I zoomed out a little bit from the Beatitudes. And you get, you are salt of the earth, uh, Christ didn't come to fulfill the law, or came to fulfill the law. Anger, and you say you don't don't murder somebody, but I say if you get angry at them, you've already committed murder. You've heard they don't commit adultery. So like all these things, they just got summarized into these three headings. Talks about retaliation, loving your enemies, and all of these things sound really bad, right? Like if we read that part, it's like man, being a Christian sounds so hard. And sometimes it is. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to be the neighbor or friend when, when you don't want to. We're like, oh, they're so exhausting. They have so many problems. But I think if we want to have a pure heart, and if we can do our best to limit these, like we're never going to eliminate sin from our life until we die and we're perfect. We're always going to have a little bit of pride. We heard Brian talk about it this morning. You know, his pride gets in the way of some things. We can do things and notice it and try to, try to capture it. And then I. If you're thinking about others, if you're thinking about serving, if you're doing all this, it's really hard to be focused on yourself. Now, y'all are all looking so sad at me. It's like, man, why did I come to Reckless on a Sunday night? Like, this, is, this is depressing. There's good news. There are also things that you can do to strengthen your heart. Just like in your physical life, if you go for a walk, you're going to have statistically this much chance. If you eat a salad instead of bacon, you're probably going to live longer. So what do we do? How do we feed our heart? These vessels that come through that feed our heart first. I think the first thing we do, and I'm just following what Jesus said in the next chapter. It says you give. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father. Thus, when you give, do it in secret. It's like that vessel that comes around the back. Giving's not always money. Sometimes giving is of your time. Sometimes giving is of your strengths that God has given you. Sometimes it's giving of your spiritual gifts. Sometimes it is giving money, like when we take up offerings for Nicaragua. If your heart's not strong, you're about, man, I can go get a new pair of Jordans. Do they really need a well? Okay, I'll give. Giving just feeds so much of your life. And it's funny that like this is right after 
all the stuff that Jesus taught. And it's the first thing. He'd even say, like, you know, make sure you memorize your Bible. Make sure you don't do this. The first thing he talks about in the things that you should do is give. Be a cheerful giver is what the Bible says. The next thing is prayer. Prayer is like the pacemaker of our life. When I feel super overwhelmed, I can usually look like, man, your prayer life is garbage. Like you spent like a minute and a half right before you ate, and you think that's good enough. Sometimes I'm, man, things are going great. And I look, it's like, oh, had a pretty good week of prayer. And I was like, man, my life seems more imbalanced. It seems like it's beating the way that God would want it to be because you take time and you spend it with Him. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Again, it's battling this I thing. I want to be seen, so I'm going to say the longest prayer and small group's history. We're going to be late, but everybody will know that I'm holier. Right? And he says, no, it's like, do it on your own time. Have those deep prayers when you're alone with God, when you're spending that time with God. And then lastly is worship. Worship's the one that we all see, right? Worship's the Sunday morning thing. It's, it's the singing, it's their hands raised or not raised because we don't know what to do with their hands when we sing. But all that feeds our heart. I would challenge you that if you want a pure heart, you got to be doing all three of these. Man, we, we talk about rush. I've never been to rush, but I've been to summer camp before. And you are on such a mountaintop high because you're spending time with God. You're praying. You're worshiping. You're giving of yourself because there's really nothing else that you can do. Like, you're probably not going on a mission trip at Rush. I don't know. Y'all might do that. But you're with your friends. You're giving of your time. You're invested in them. And your heart feels better. It squeezes a little bit more. You feel a little bit more energized. Relating it back to the heart squeeze. When that quits squeezing, no blood's coming out. All that image of what Todd gave in, in Big Church is God's filling your life. It's filtering into your blood. It's going out. When Jesus tells us, blessed are those with a pure heart for they will see God, we ask why. Because Jesus wants others around you to see him. I mean, right? If we see God and nobody else sees God around us, that's pretty selfish of us. That we have this amazing relationship with God. We have this comfort when we don't understand. We have this joy. We have this peace. We have this patience. We have all this stuff that God has given us. And we're like, man, thank you so much, God. My heart is full. No, you can't have any. This is my God. We're supposed to squeeze. And it goes out. And it feeds itself. It gets stronger, it squeezes, it goes a little bit further out. It comes back, it squeezes, it goes further out. This is how you get to a spot in your life where, man, no matter what, my best friend's going to know Jesus. I don't care what, like, they're going to know. I might not even tell them about but they're going to see a difference in me. When you get married, your spouse is going to go, man, I'm so glad I married somebody that I can see Jesus in. Either way, husband, wife, wife, husband. Like, you're a man, there's something different about them. When you have kids, you're a different mom, you're a different dad because your kids can see Jesus in you because when your life squeezes, the outcome is just love. 
It's Jesus being shown for everybody. So here's the main point. If we're going to live a life of pure hearts for others to see Jesus, then it really gets summed up into one verse. That's he must increase and we must decrease. That's in John 3.30. Look at that. John, he's John the Baptist, book of John. He's talking about, hey, there's going to come a time when y'all aren't going to follow me. You're going to follow somebody else. And his father's like, no, that doesn't sound like a deal for us. We like you. This new guy, he's not going to be as good. And he goes, no, no, no. He is better. And he says, Jesus must increase, and I'm going to go away. Let's apply that to our lives. If we're doing the things that strengthen our squeeze, we're getting filled more with God. It goes back, it comes back. The natural consequence of that is our selfishness will come down. Our sin will come down. The thinking that everything is about us will come down. Go the other way. Everything's about me. I come to church. I like the songs that I like. Jesus comes down a little bit. We get a little bitter. No, I'm not going to go do that, God. I know you asked me to. I'm not going to do it. It's a little bit less of a squeeze. You get fed a little bit less. And there's just this sin in my life that I'm not going to let go of. It's too much fun. It's too, too addicting. And it's a blockage. Heart starts to hurt. Can't squeeze. We're not squeezing. We're not showing God's love. We're not showing anything about that. So I don't know where we are as, as a group. I know at times in my life where I am, and sometimes it's up here and sometimes it's down here, and sometimes it's about right here. I just wonder if we asked the question, if we were real, and said, if I looked at me and Jesus in my life, is there more of him or is there more of me? Is there more of me? Is there more of him? Like, like what's the balance of that? And if we looked at our lives and said, man, when I spend time reading God's word, when I'm worshiping, when I'm coming to church, I'm letting everything go, do people see a difference in my life? Or they go, man, you're just like me. You just have more stuff on your calendar. So we don't let it change our hearts. Oh. I'm closing prayer. We're going to open up a time just for you to respond. Open up the steps, talk in your small group, whatever we need to do. But just have this time to reflect on where are you at with Jesus? I mean, don't care what, what everybody else thinks. Like, am I okay with Jesus right now? Is my heart squeeze what needs to be? If people looked at my life, could they say, man, I see God in that person's life. Father God, we thank you for this time to dig into your word. We thank you that you give us examples and illustrations in the weirdest places. My prayer is that we are as close to you now as what we've ever been in our lives. That tomorrow will be a little bit closer to you. On Tuesday, we'll be a little bit closer to you. On Wednesday, we'll be a little bit more closer to you. And that because we see your goodness, we see your favor, we see that following you is meaningful. That when others look at our lives, that they see you. That because we have a pure heart, our friends, our family, those that barely know us, get to see you. They get to see your love. 
And that's what we want in our lives, God. I'm proud of this in Jesus' name. Amen.